not of what God is doing in your life. Because if you're really saved, God's doing something. God's doing something. God's doing something. He won't allow you to rest in your sin. He won't allow you to rest in your sin. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the work that you're going to do in us and through us for your glory. And we thank you, Lord, that who you have begun a good work in, that, Lord, you will continue it until we see Christ face to face. And, Lord, we're so thankful that it's not our work, it's your work. And, Lord, you're the one who's doing it. May we, O God, yield to the work that you desire to do. May we, O God, not cause your work to be difficult or to be hard. But, O God, may we agree with you in the work that you want to do in our lives for your glory. And may we yield to your will. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 10, 34. Matthew 10, 34. And we're also going to see how Satan fell with his sin. And how he got involved. Because, see, Satan is not so much that Satan started sin. The moment God decided to give what is called free will to the angels and to man, sin was present. It's there. The test is, will you be obedient? Will you be obedient? We're going through the same test in a sense that Adam did in the garden. For the Lord said unto Adam, don't touch that tree. Because surely the day that you touch that tree, you're going to what? You're going to die. God has called us out of the world and God says, don't touch these things now. He begins to teach us what not to touch. He begins to tell us what we, not, we should not do, what we shouldn't be involved in. He begins to educate us. And in that process of educating, he's uneducating us because we've been educated by the God of this world. We've been taught by the things of Satan. If you take a child and you never train a child, that child will be taught by demons. And watch the behavior of the child. And sometimes we look at children and we say, boy, them little demons. Yeah, we're saying the right thing. Because they're being led by demons. Why? They've been taught by demons. If you do not teach your children godly principles, then the God of this world is going to teach them. And you'll see the behavior. That the behavior will not be a godly behavior, it will be a worldly behavior. And whenever you identify a worldly behavior, that worldly behavior is being influenced by the demons of this world. And you need to understand that. So in Matthew chapter 10, in verse 34, he says, let me get there. Get these glasses. Big Junior, where's that thing you had? 37, 32, 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Because that sword has to do some cutting. The only thing when you continue reading that, he will separate between mother children, father children. And he goes right on down through this list. The only point where that sword is not used is between a married couple, because the two become what? And God will never divide that. <laughs> He'll never separate that marriage. Everything else, he has to separate. 
He, 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 he has to separate. We can make idols out of our children. We can make gods out of our children. We can make stumbling blocks out of our children. That our children become more important than who? Than God. And he has to cut that away. For that if he calls you somewhere, you're willing to go in obedience to him, not worrying about your children. That God calls you to do or or to do. You're not worried about your children. You're not worried about this. You're not worried about their friend. You're not worried about that. Because God has cut that. Suppose again, I'll give you this illustration. You give birth to a child and the doctor never cuts the cord. That cord has to be cut. For the good of both. For the good of both. Go to Hebrews 4.12. Just looking at what the Word's going to do. Because the Word of God is going to do this cutting. As it gets inside of us, it begins to do surgery in us. It begins to cut away the things of the world. And oftentimes we're fighting, and that's why a lot of times we put the Bible down. Because without the Bible, we're not getting the sword. Without the sword, you can't defend yourself. The sword is used both ways, outwardly and inwardly. So, in Hebrews 4.12, he says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged what? Sword. Sharper than any double-edged sword. And it goes on to explain what it does inside of us. That it cuts. It gets down into the bone. God is going to do a work. He's going to do the surgery that only the living God is able to do. And he does it through his word. Now, understand this. Jesus did not suffer to give us an excuse for sin. And oftentimes we use Jesus as an excuse. We use God's forgiveness as an excuse. We use God's grace as an excuse. Jesus did not suffer and die to provide for us an excuse that we can go out and sin. And say, oh, it's covered by the blood. He didn't give it. He didn't die for that purpose. We need to understand that. When we abuse God's forgiveness by choosing to sin. While saying to ourselves, God will forgive us. We need to understand there's no more sacrifice for sin. And when you go out and willfully sin, you're in a very dangerous position. You're in a very dangerous position. And when you go out and willfully plan on sinning, you need to ask yourself this question. Are you really saved? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't allow you to willfully just go out and do what? Without you having a battle up here and in here. There's a battle that goes on. And if you're not having that battle on the inside, then you need to really ask if you're really saved. I'm not saying we will not sin. Because John tells us, little children, if you sin, you have an advocate with who? With the Father. But it's not premeditated. It's not something you plan to do that you've just been waiting to get there to do it. 
when we choose to sin and we're saying, oh, God's going to forgive me, we're abusing the grace of God and we're trampling over the blood of Christ because he died to set us free from the sin. We need to understand that. Now, you too need to emphasize God's love. When you emphasize God's love over his justice, you're misusing God's love. Now, I want you to understand something. God is a just God, and God is going to always punish sin. I love my children, but I'll whoop my children. And I guess I'm like Bill Cosby with his old statement and that old statement before. I love you, but I'll take you out of here. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of this world. Sometimes I used to tell my children, you'll know where I'll be at and I'll know where you'll be at. I might be sitting in prison somewhere, but I'll know exactly where you are. I'll even put the tombstone over it. The whole process is this here. If we emphasize God's love over his justice, his love over biblical truths, because you think his love will excuse your lack of responsibility for forming his truth, you're deceiving yourself. If I tell my son to take the trash out, I mean for him to do that. I don't want him to think that I love him so much that I'm going to excuse punishing him because he willfully disobeyed me. He's going to receive a punishment when I know he willfully disobeyed me. Now, if something else happened that was more important in that trash that he really had to attend to, and it's a legitimate excuse, fine. No punishment. But if you just willfully defy me, thinking that I'm going to love you so much that I won't spank you or I won't punish you, I'm going to light you up. I'm looking at Nicole there. And, and that girl, boy, we laid down in law. She came over to the house one night to spend the night. That little girl got to acting. I told the little girl, go on, go to bed. And by the hour, so, I want my mama. I want my mama. I want my I got that little girl up and said, if I take you home, you won't come back to my house till you're 18 years old. When did you come back, Nicole? And I still love her. God loves us. And we need to understand that principle. He loves us. And he loves us dearly. But he will not put his justice to the side or his punishment to the side because he loves us. Understand this. God loves every person that is going to go to hell, every person that is in hell. God loves them. But because of their rebellion, the punishment had to be there. Outside of Christ, I am only a sinner. Understand that principle. 
Outside of Christ, I'm only a sinner. Now, I want to take another step also. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, and he said that they were carnal Christians. And we use the word nominal Christians, those who just call themselves Christians but are not really born again. The Corinthians there in Corinth, they were carnal Christians. They were fleshly Christians. They were living outside of Christ because of all their arguments, all the things that was going on there in Corinth. And we understand there's a process that we go through. But understand this here also. If you consistently live outside of the rules of Christ, outside of Christ, you're going to live as a sinner. And there will be no difference or distinguishing you as a Christian from that of a person of the world who lives in constant sin. You will live and look just like that person. And we are called to be saints. We are called to be distinguished individuals. We are called, and there's nothing wrong if somebody calls you somebody with their nose in the air. Put your nose in the air, you're pointing towards heaven. It's okay to be proud of who you are as a Christian. And he says, outside of Christ, I am only a sinner, but in Christ, I'm saved. And I want to go back to that word that we talked about being saved. I'm safe. When I'm in Christ, I'm safe. When I'm in Christ, I don't have to worry about the world. I'm safe. When I'm in Christ, I don't have to worry about the dangers of the world. I'm safe. When I'm in Christ. In Christ. Second one, outside of Christ, I am weak. Whenever you are trying to live the Christian life outside of Christ and not really in Christ and following the rules and regulations and the word of God, you're going to be weak. Because you cannot live the Christian life making up your own rules. You can't live the Christian life making up your own idol God. This is what I think God is. This is who God is. If you are not believing in the God of the Bible, you have set up your own idol. Outside of Christ, I am weak. Paul recognized that. But in Christ... I am strong. In Christ, I am strong. The reason we see so many defeated Christians living like the world and living with a lot of sadness and sorrow in their life and the joy's not there is because they're really not living in Christ. They're living outside of Christ. And when you live outside of Christ, your life is going to look just like the sinner or like the people of the world. When you're living in Christ, your soul's going to prosper. And when your soul prosper, the rest of you is going to prosper. Outside of Christ, I cannot. When you're living outside of Christ, you don't have the strength to do. Living outside of Christ, you don't have the power to do. Living outside of Christ, the indwelling Holy Spirit does not release his power through your life. But when you're living in Christ, the Holy Spirit enables you to perform. The Holy Spirit enables you to do. The Holy Spirit enables you to say no to sin. But when you're living outside of Christ, you can't really say no to sin. 
But when you're living in Christ, now you can say no to sin. So when you look at Romans 6.13, when it says, don't even yield the members of your bodies to sin. When you're outside of Christ, you're going to yield your body to every type of sin there is. The other day, Elaine and I were watching our, what's the game show? Um, Family Feud. And one of the questions was, What would it cause you to slap your husband or your partner? And the girl, the woman said, if he invites a third person into our bed. Now, where would that thought even come from? But understand today, more and more of that is happening. So that thought came. Because it's a reality today. Of what is happening in this so-called real world. And therefore you're yielding your member or you're yielding your body to sin. And when you're outside of Christ, you can't say no to the sin. When you're outside of Christ, you can't even say no to that good-looking woman or that good-looking man. You can't say no to it. You can't say no to the money or what's being offered you. You can't say no to it because you're outside the crowd. You don't have the power to say no. And more than that, you don't even have the power to flee from the very presence of sin. Living outside of Christ, you need to understand, you can't. But in Christ, I am more than able. In Christ, I'm more than able. In Christ, I can say no to sin. In Christ, I can say no to the wrong. In Christ, I can run from the very appearance of sin. In Christ, I can walk away from the most beautiful woman there is. In Christ, you can walk away from the best looking guy there is. Me and Roscoe, we saw some beautiful bites that we were walking away from. Only because the power of God that was in us. But the flesh was screaming. The flesh was saying, can't you see yourself on that laid back? Oh, boy, we were, we were dreaming riding up in front of Roger's house in our new bikes. Oh, that was the flesh. But the power of God said, walk away from it. <laughs> in Christ, I am more than able. Outside of Christ, I've been defeated. When you live outside of Christ, you're living a defeated life. Check your own life. If you're really honest with yourself, ask yourself this. Why aren't you doing any better? Outside of Christ, you can't do better. Even though you may look like you're doing better, you're going nowhere. Outside of Christ, I've been defeated. But in Christ, I'm already victorious. When I'm living in Christ, I'm victorious. When I'm living in Christ, I'm conquering. When I'm living in Christ, I'm gaining ground. When I'm living in Christ, I'm improving my life, my family. I am moving forward. Why? Because God wants me to be successful. Not on the world standard, but on his standard. Now think how meaningful are the words in Christ. And when you read John fifteen five and verse 7, you get both of those. He talks about he is divine. But he leaves you with this. 
in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Unless you're connected to Christ, unless you're living, dwelling in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. In Philippians 4.13, yes, I can do all things. And then over and over, that his grace is more than sufficient for me. The whole process is being in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Unless we are in subject, unless we submit ourselves to God's authority, and we are under the subject of God's authority, we cannot exercise authority in the Holy Spirit. Understand that. You go out here all day long and try to play a police officer, you can't do it. But if you put on the uniform and you are authorized with certain authority, now you can act. Now you can act. We were down in the underground in Atlanta, myself and my brothers. And... um, in the underground, you have these guys who walk around, and they're uh, security guards. And they just try to just walk and just watch people and so forth. And my brother Zalas, you would have to know Zalas, the character of my brother. And this police officer, as we were leaving out, it started to rain, but we were going to stand in this one little area and block people in and out and so forth. And this police officer, we didn't recognize him as a police officer. He had on his big raincoat and so forth and everything. And uh, my brother Dallas, he thought he was just one of those security guards. And he going to run his mouth off to him and told him, man, you better go on with your little $10 job and this and that. And that guy, he opened up his coat. He said, this is the real deal here. And I'll take you on down to the sixth floor here in Atlanta. And we'll see how well you are. The whole thing, he was the real, he was an Atlanta police officer. He was the real deal. He had the authority and the power behind him to act. When you are in Christ and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the authority to act against Satan. You have the authority to put the shield of faith up against those fiery darks. You have something. Because we must first be willing to be subject or to subject ourselves to his authority before we can exercise rights of his authority. You cannot exercise biblical authority living outside of Christ. You can't do it. But only when you're in Christ can you rebuke the enemy. Only when you're in Christ can you correct the wrong things of this world or speak to someone who's doing wrong. When you're in Christ, understand something. When you're living right and you're living the way God has called you to live, you can say something to somebody else. But see, you can't tell somebody else about going after some married man when you yourself are living with what? Yeah. And as a godly man, boy, I can't tell some other man about how properly he ought to be dating and what he should be doing and wooing somebody when I'm doing everything wrong over here on this side. 
See, I have to be right and under the proper authority to rebuke and correct, to reprove. I have to be in the authority of Christ. And it's all done in the power of the Holy Spirit. But if I'm not under that authority, I have no authority. You have trusted in your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. You need to go to Isaiah 47.10. And this is where we are. Nobody sees me doing my wickedness. Nobody sees me doing my sin. I'm behind closed doors. Nobody knows. People, God is seeing everything you do. Never be fearful of man. Never be fearful of what the church may do or what other people may say about you. See, understand this. I have no hell to put you in. I have no heaven to put you in. But God does. God does. Fear not him who can only destroy the body. There's only so much I can do with you. But God can do something more with you even after this body is destroyed. So don't fear man. You have trusted your wickedness and have said, no one sees me. You're trusting your sin. You're trusting your wrongness. And when you're wrong and you're saying, nobody sees me doing wrong, God does. And you wonder why it doesn't work out. And he goes on, he says, wisdom and knowledge leads you when you say to yourself, I am. Now I want you to hold that I am in your thought. I am. Because when we get to looking at Satan and his failure, it's in that same area, I am. The I. And understand, the Pharisees understood what Jesus was saying when he says, I am. In John 8, when Jesus says, I am. They knew that he was declaring himself to be God. I am that I am. I am God. I am the Holy One of Israel. They understood everything Jesus was saying in that word, I am. That's why they picked up stones and got ready to stone him. Because he's saying, I am the great I am. Now understand this principle. When you say unto God, I am. You're putting yourself on his throne. And you're governing your life the way you want to live it, rather than the way he wants you to live it. And you have done the same sinful thing that Satan has done. You have put yourself in his position. It's like our children. How many of you have children that want to be grown before they're grown? How does that make you feel as a parent when your child going to square off at you and open their mouth and they could just see what you were thinking? (laughs) But what children don't recognize, they grow up and they think because they're here or up here that they have exchanged positions with you. 
Now you become the child and they become the parent. So they're going to tell you what they're going to do rather than you instructing them. You be home at 10. No, I'll be coming in at 11 tonight. I'm glad my tanning days are over. <laughs> Y'all that's doing it, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but I'm glad my tanning days are over. You see? Because, see, that's what we do with God. We exchange places with Him. We're the child, but all of a sudden, we grow up. We're going to change places. We're going to make God the child. And we're going to be the adult. We're going to be God. And God said it doesn't work that way. Man. I don't care how old Tyler becomes. And she's the oldest one. She's always going to be the child. And I'm going to be the parent. Man. We can't reverse it. We can't change it. Just because of age. Man. God's going to always be God. He's always going to sit on his throne. And I cannot be like him. I cannot be the great I am. In my life. He has to be. He has to be. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Or even trusts in himself. Who depends on flesh. He's become independent. And it's all about him. Or her. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. He says, boy, cursed is that one who trusts in themselves. Cursed is that one that will trust in themselves, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Whenever you totally become independent of God and trust totally in yourself, you have turned from God. You no longer have to ask God. You no longer have to depend upon his strength or his power. You, don't, you no longer have to worry about him opening up the door. You're going to kick it down because you're big enough and bad enough now. And you begin to live life out from under the authority of God. And you're going to run it by your own authority. Your own thing. Stay with me in this now. I want you to really think through this with me. Thy heart was lifted up. In King James, thy heart was lifted up. Your heart became proud. Ezekiel 28, 17, talking about Satan. Talking about his heart, how he was thinking now. Stay with me. Satan sinned because how he began to think about himself. Satan's sin was how he began to see himself or view himself. See, Pastor Brown can sin by viewing or thinking of himself that I caused a great crowd to come in here today and not God. Pastor Brown could sin thinking that, boy, we're up to 500, 600 people and I did this thing. I grew this church. Not understanding that God gave the increase. Pastor Brown can sin in many ways in perceiving himself to be something when all the work is God's work. 
that I'm just a co-labor with him, enjoying the ride. That's all. But my sin comes in place how I view myself. But as long as I see myself as a servant of God, as a slave of God, as a child of God, keep my proper perspective about myself, God's able to bless. Don't matter if there's one, two, or three, or five hundred. God's able to bless based on how I perceive myself as his servant. But when I think of myself in a way that I should not, and I think that I'm more than this, and I'm more than that, and I'm the eloquent preacher, and I'm the eloquent this, and I'm the eloquent that, and people are coming out here to hear me, that's a sin on my part. Because you didn't come to hear me, you come to hear from God. You come to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and learn from him. You come to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit, not by a man. And I can sin by seeing myself or perceiving myself wrongly. And oftentimes, you sin by the way you perceive yourself. That you're independent of God and you don't need God and you can do this and you can do that and you leave God out of it. Satan said in his heart was lifted up. Thy heart was lifted up. Your heart became proud. In Proverbs 16, 18 it says, pride cometh before what? Before fall. What we want to catch is Satan's pride that took place. Understand when it says here that word lifted up or that word pride there in the Hebrew is, 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 is cloudy. His mind has been caused to be cloudy. It means to make a smoke or we used to call it a smoke screen where you can't see it clearly. Satan couldn't see clearly. His mind was fogged, confused. Boy, this got so good in my basement. If you take what the meaning here, when he says smoke cloud, that word smoke or that word lifted up also tends to itself to be in drunkenness. What he is illustrating is this. Whenever you are drinking wine or drinking strong drink, what does it do to the mind? It causes confusion in the mind. That smoke screen causes confusion. You're not seeing clearly. You're blinded. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4 it says, Satan has blinded us or blinded our minds. He's confused our minds. Whenever you begin to live independent of God, your mind is confused. Your mind is messed up. Go through the scriptures and see how often God says, renew the mind, renew the mind. And the whole process is Satan wants to confuse the mind. Guess what messes up the world? The mind. 
the world messes up the mind. We don't call adultery adultery. We call it having an a what? An affair. No. We don't even call stealing stealing no more. We just meeting our need. No. I had need of it, so I stole it. You know, I'm meeting my needs. You know, this whole process anymore. Yeah, when I cuss anymore, I, boy, I'm just telling them off. I'm just letting steam out. It's not using swear words or it's not using profanity. I'm just letting steam off. By set, or by setting, Satan experienced a by setting of the mind which made his sinful course possible. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it tells you to take captive of every thought, of every thought, of every thought that enters the mind. Take it captive and bring it what? Under the obedience of who? Of Christ. Satan, when he had the thought that I was going to be like God, he had the time to bring that thought into what? Captivity and do the right thing. But he chose to do the wrong thing. You and I choose to do the wrong thing. We have time to do the right thing. But because when we begin to deal with sin, it blinds us and it causes confusion in the mind. God has to come in and begin to cut out all the confusion that's in our mind. When the mind is confused, watch the behavior. The behavior is no more of what we call rational. The behavior is no more of what we call normal. Because sin always takes you out of what is normal. Satan's sin was self-promoting. What was he promoting? His own pride. When we sin, it's always self-promoting. It's always about self. It's always about self. And we're promoting self. And we're uplifting self. And the bottom line of this is this. I want it for me. I want it for me. I want it for me. He said, means to be made confused, foolish in the mind, or drunkenness. And when you compare with Ephesians 5.18, the Lord says, be filled with the Spirit and not with what? With wine or with drunkenness. He makes that comparison. If you take that word, beside, you will find that it has to do with strong drink, has to do with drugs. Just follow that word through the thesaurus or the dictionary, and you'll understand where it's taking you to and what it means and what effects it's having on the mind. Ephesians 5.18 again, be filled with the Spirit. Why? The Spirit is not going to lead you in doing what is wrong. But when you're filled with the wine or strong drink, it clouds the mind. It changes the behavior. 
Now, he's not talking about the drink here. It's the drunkenness of the world. When you get drunk on the world or the principles of the world or the things of the world, you can't think clearly. You can't think clearly. Your behavior changes. Pride prompts us to go after unholy ambitions. When you check the word ambition, it falls into the same line as lust. Strong desire. Strong desire. Now you have to understand, when you have a strong ambition and a strong desire, unless the Lord cut it out, you can't stop it. It seems like something's pushing you, something's driving you on the inside. That you got to have this. you got to have it. And you'll keep going after it until you get it. Even though you know it's not good for you. Because there's something on the inside that's pushing. Now it's good to have ambition. It's good to have. But when ambition is taking you the wrong way. Leading you outside of the will of God. Then you need to check it. And you'll check the word ambition. It just means strong desire. What is lust? The meaning of lust. Strong desire. And Satan wants us to be ambitious about the things of sin. And we'll go after it. We'll go after it. And what happens when we become ambitious? It beclouds the mind. When we desire something, we want something. It confuses the mind. We can't think clearly. All we know is that we want it. We want it. Which easily allows us to step over the word of God. And sometimes as Christians, we're looking at other Christians and we're saying, they know the word, they know the word. How can they do that? Because that drive or that ambition or that desire or that lust that's in there. Until God cuts it out. Until God cuts them loose of it. That thing is pushing them and driving them. Even though they know the word. Listen to a lot of people who are in sin. It's not that they don't know the word. They cannot overcome that drive on the inside because they're living outside of Christ and not in Christ. And when you're living outside of Christ, you're not able to deal with that drive or that lust or that desire that is pushing or driving you. So it's very easy to step over the word of God. It's very easy to ignore the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. It comes to a point of what Timothy said. It's like a callus. It has no feeling now. And after you say no so often to the Holy Spirit, you have no consciousness of the Spirit even trying to convict you of the sin. Because now the heart has become hardened. And the advice of the saints... You have other godly people around you all the time warning you. You're in the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't be doing this. You need to come out of that. 
But yet, and all that is taking place because of that strong ambition, that strong desire that is on the inside pushing. That you're able to overstep the word of God. You're able to overstep the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You're over, able to overstep what people are advising you and warning you. Now catch it. In order to please the self-ambition of pride. Pride cometh before the fall. And what is that? Is this self-ambition. The promoting of self. I want. And Christ, 1 John 3, that Christ came into this world to destroy the works of the devil within our lives. He has to cut it out. He has to remove it. He has to do it. Now, what you and I have to do, and as we're going to get into a little bit next week, is our responsibility. Because what happens oftentimes with us, we turn from God. We treat God like we treat our parents. We don't listen to Him. We don't listen to Him. And sometimes children wonder why did they wind up in the mess they're in. All because they would not what? Listen. And we treat God the same way. We won't listen. Like if we've already been there. We've done that. We, we've already lived through this. When older people, it used to be that younger people used to listen to the wisdom of older people. Today, younger people are much wiser than older people. They can tell you everything. How it's going to work. How this is going to happen. How that's going to happen. And sometimes you just want to sit there and laugh and say, You don't know what I mean. And you wish sometimes, Why don't you wake up and live in the real world? Let me share something. It's only the Christian who can live in this world with his eyes open that can live in the reality of this world. For those who are not saved and those who live in a carnal fleshliness, they're living in this world blindly. That's why they stumble so much. That's why they fall into the bit pitfalls of Satan so often. That's why they're constantly being destroyed. That's why things are constantly happening to them. And they're not getting anywhere because they're blinded. Though they think they see, they do not see. And he says, he came into the world to destroy the works of the enemy. Jesus has to cut away the pride, the ambition, the lustful desire in separating us from the world. What does the world want us to be? Oh, the world will tell us, yes, be successful. But does it matter if you lie or cheat? We're surprised of all these officers who cheated and who lied on these tests. And yet, they're handling nuclear weapons. And yet they cheated and they're lying. This whole process in America today. Be rich. Be wealthy. 
It don't matter if you steal it. It doesn't matter if you take it for somebody else. It doesn't matter if you cause another man's family to suffer while you're getting yours. The whole thing is this. I got mine. And you don't worry about anybody else. The whole process, if women and men would think about when they're dating somebody who's married, the harm and the hurt and the pain they're going to put somebody else through that they themselves would not want to go through. They wouldn't do it. And most young men who have two or three children by the time they're 24 or 20 would understand how much money they're going to pay out. And then they're going to blame the women. If them women would have, they knew what they were doing. They would have taken the pill or they would have went and did this or they would have went and did that. I have some money and I could do this. But they got to blame somebody else other than who? And then some of the mothers who are single mothers. Isn't it strange that the Bible never talks about single mothers? Whenever the Bible talks about a single woman, it's always referred to in the widow. Because the widow says at one point she was married. It never refers to a single woman. Only in the process of being a widow. Because women become very bitter when they have to struggle all their life trying to raise up children that some man who they thought loved them won't give a dime for that child. Then it always comes out to be these dirty men. These men this. There are some good men out here. There are some godly men. There are some men who want to do the right thing. I'm not saying they're not hard to find. Just like it's hard to find a virgin today. Because Satan has tricked us what? Both. Male and female. He has tricked us. He's deceived us. And we have believed his lies. And we have fallen into the entrapments. And the only one who can allow us to escape... From the entrapment of Satan is Jesus Christ himself. And he has to cut away all the hurt, all the pain, all the sorrows that this world has brought into my life. He has to cut away all the wrong thinking, all the wrong attitudes that are in my mind. He has to do a work that only he is able to do. And that's why it says he come with a sword. He come with a sword. He come with a sword. And he comes to cut away. He comes to deal with it. He comes to defeat the work of the devil in my life. What we don't understand often is this. Is the work that Satan has already done in us before we come to Christ. 
the work that Satan has already done in us. The teaching that he's already taught us. And we bought it. And we govern our life by the principles and the standards of the world. And then we start getting into the word of God. And it begins to challenge that. A lot of time I do marital counseling. And I hear this 50-50 deal. But she didn't bring her part of the house money in. She didn't pay her part of the bills. She, she don't have a part. You asked to take care of her. And she gave herself to you for the privilege of being taken care of by you. We've lost that principle. We've lost that. Why do you think in the Bible, when you read the early parts of the Old Testament, the girl never left home until marriage because the father was always the covering. The whole principle of the father walking the young girl down the aisle comes from Jesus Christ, from God himself, walking Eve to Adam. And then when you get in Deuteronomy, you'll understand the very principle. It is the father who really signs the contract with the man that he's going to take care of this young girl. And when you get into Numbers 30, you find even the father position switches. And I hear a lot of women, he ain't my daddy. But if you get into Numbers 30 and really understand what's being said in Numbers 30, he is your daddy. He's the covering. He's the covering. And we miss all that. If you're not in Christ, get in Christ. If you're a Christian and you're living outside of Christ, get in Christ. Get under the umbrella. Get under his love. Get under his authority. And when you place yourself under his authority, you'll have authority to speak with power and authority to the things of this world and unto Satan. And you'll be able to say, get behind me, Satan. You'll be able to say, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be able to correct your children and other people that you're doing that you see wrong because you're standing on the principles and the values of God and you are speaking God's word through his own authority and you are speaking truth. Live in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, O God, that you are the one who is cutting this world away from us. You're separating us from this world, that, Lord, that we might live holy unto thee. That even as we sung earlier today, Lord, all I want is you. All I want to do is live in your presence. All I want is you, O God. And, Lord, for that to take place, we have to be willing to let go of the world and the things of the world and the views of the world and the counseling of the world and the advice of the world. And understand, we have a wonderful counselor in Jesus Christ.